In the rush to add genomic data, wearables and biosensor data, and all kinds of patient-generated data into our health systems, how do we make sure that we do that in a way that actually improves patient care? Hello and welcome to Data Point, the podcast where we focus on all the ways data and analytics are driving innovation in healthcare. Our guest today is Dr. Luis Saldana. Dr. Saldana is the Chief Medical Information Officer at Texas Health Resources, and we're going to talk about how the CMIO role is such a critical one in ensuring that data and analytics are used to improve patient experience and not just because Apple says we should. Dr. Saldana, thank you so much for being with us today. Sure. Thanks, Greg, for having me. Yeah, it is great to be in touch, and I was really excited to talk to you because we, uh, uh, for our listeners, uh, they'll know that we have talked to people that have a lot of different perspectives in healthcare, but we have not yet talked to a clinician who is really uh, kind of on the front lines in terms of uh, representing the information technology and the data uh, in the hospital d- directly to that clinician community. And as chief medical information officer, uh, I think that's something that you're uniquely prepared to do. Um, for, for context, could you give us a little bit of background on you know who you are, where you came from, and especially how you got into sort of this technology piece of the business in addition to being a physician? Yeah, certainly. So my background as a as a physician is as an emergency physician. I've actually uh, been uh, was an emergency physician for thirty years. I actually just about a year ago uh, stopped my clinical practice actually for some time. Uh, continued my uh, clinical practice of emergency medicine along with my role as a CMIO. Uh, but uh, since I crossed the thirty year kind of thirty year mark, I actually stopped my clinical practice in emergency medicine, uh, 20 of which have been here at Texas Health Resources, actually uh, came to Texas Health Resources right about the time that uh, the system was actually created from the, the original merger. Yeah. But uh, uh, in terms of my transition into this role, it's it's interesting. Uh, I actually, uh, the original CMIO is my boss, uh, who is my, the chief health information officer, Dr. Ferdinand Velasco. And uh, I was really uh, intimately involved early on with uh, with uh, the selection of the electronic health record that Texas Health Resources selected, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, is epic. And so I was part of the process for 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 that. That came largely after the fact that I actually went back and got my MBA. Uh, I, I, you know, at the, during my 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 practice as well. So I did that while I continued to practice emergency medicine, and uh, I actually started getting connected with within that group with uh, uh, somebody that, that uh, worked with uh, that was in my study group that worked with Pro Systems at, at that time, and then it subsequently huh. became the CIO at, at at Children's Medical Center, and is still there the the the, the CIO at Children's Medical Center. So so there a lot a lot of connection points got me to the to actually into the technology technology realm uh, and uh, got me involved. My initial role was as the the medical director of clinical uh, decision support, mm-hmm. uh, which really uh, I think was is really been always still and continues to be my primary love is clinical decision support. And that's in terms of how can we uh, use uh, data and information uh, 
to better inform clinical decision making mm. uh, at the point of care uh, without uh, without uh, det- the potential for detracting from from the quality of care. And so so that was kind of my primary focus with a broad uh, focus on uh, standardizing cl- uh, order sets, creating mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know uh, optimizing uh, uh, alerts, drug alerts, though, all those type of things. That was kind of my my primary focus. And and uh, you know I think we we you know. We continue to do that work as far as that goes, but then uh, uh, I was asked to be the CMIO by Dr. Velasco as he became the chief health information officer, and he actually mm-hmm. so so his his role grew or expanded to where included uh, some uh, clinical uh, some clinical analytics, quality analytics, mm-hmm. uh, as well as our nursing informatics side and things as well. And I was one of the uh, the leaders that that reports still report to him. So I actually fall under the 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 CHIO office uh, as far as reporting but then also he both he and I sit on on uh, our CIO our chief information officers uh, uh, core leadership group as well so we're part mm-hmm. of that 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 meets regularly as well to keep the connection points within the system uh, as far as that goes so that 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 kind of summarizes my journey to, yeah. to be here so I've actually been in, in in kind of the informatics role now for 12 years here at at, at, at THR and and, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased for 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 how the, how my career has transitioned. Absolutely, and I, I guess I'm curious. You know, stepping back, what was it that drove you to get the MBA? Um, what what were you hoping to get out of that, and uh, and how did it did that influence your decision to sort of take on this uh, role working in clinical decision support, et cetera? Yeah, uh, yeah, that that is an interesting question actually because it actually leads to even something that's that we currently are seeing. I actually went through kind of uh burnout in my own career as an uh-huh. emergency physician and was at that point really looking for something else to kind of you know help 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 me kind of fulfill fulfill other needs or actually start looking in in kind of other directions and things not really not knowing where that would where that would take me sure as far as that goes so so it was kind of a succession of, of events around that time it was around the time i moved over to to thr and 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 you know it had gone through like i said some 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 uh burnout myself and so i'm yep. very sensitive to that 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 particular issue uh which i think kind of helps drive my my own you know, kind of decision making as a as a CMIO, I'm very very sensitive to to, to kind of the operational aspect. And the same as be, just being an emergency physician, but but it really was that that kind of kind of led me in that. And then again, a series of, then a series of a lot of a lot of happenstance that that kind of uh, you know got me directly into 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 this role. You know, that is a really interesting perspective to share. And one of the things that we were talking about off mic was your rather unique role in terms of representing um, sort of the, uh, I guess, the the digital infrastructure of the organization to clinicians, but then also being really the voice of the clinician uh, as to the way that that digital information support is used. Can you talk a little bit about that bridge role and how, you know, as you are communicating with clinicians, you know, how are you uh, getting advice from them or taking requests from them? Um, You know, how much of how much of uh, your time is spent doing that versus, you know, introducing new features and functions that they need to be trained on? I'd just like to get a little deeper into your role and how that connectivity with the docs goes. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and certainly, uh, certainly, that's uh, th- that. One of the big challenges is that we are a big, big health system, so we mm-hmm. have uh, lots of sites. So it, it is, it becomes a, a little more difficult staying connected to the clinicians. But actually, that's that that's that's critical to what to what we do because uh, the to me the main thing is to be listening to the physician's voice mm-hmm. and 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 it's that that becomes uh, uh, an area where we have to separate the the noise from the real you know from from the real data and information that can help you make good decisions and so that really involves building some some relationships uh, knowing which relationships you can, in in the organization you can kind of trust and what the where the voice you trust and mm-hmm. and I think uh, that that is 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 critically important uh, because a lot of times you'll get uh, you know certainly I'm very accustomed to getting a lot of complaints about different changes and things like that that's part sure. of part of what, what I what I do but but all of it needs to be taken with this is impacting what is this what's behind this how is this mm. impacting this clinician's workflow there's something why this is is causing a problem for him uh, it, it may go deeper than it may, there may be other issues or factors involved uh, uh, but but you have to find out the, the the kind of the why and I think that's really important I, I, to, is to kind of figure out the why of, of, of every kind of interaction you have with with the physicians and the clinicians, and then taking all the data and kind of synthesizing it into something that is a coherent, delivers a coherent message and helps you to make coherent decisions in 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 how we operate every day and how what what we implement, what we don't, what we change in mm-hmm. terms of that. Uh, and and I think I would tell you that the most important thing is that often gets lost is it, it's being critically aware that workflows. Are everything in in yeah. clinical practice. In other words, you re you you can say there's an issue in terms of uh, uh, of pneumonia. You you really have to okay. Well, where's you have to where in the workflow is the issue? You have to yeah. really understand what the workflow for care delivery is to to put uh, uh, data and information into context to actually make a, a really good decision and also understand how. How clinician, how the clinician's going to use the data to to make decisions, and mm-hmm. are you delivering at the right point? So certainly in in clinical decision support, we talk about the five, you know, the five CDS rights, the right, you know, person, place, the right intervention, uh, the right, the right, and the right point in the workflow. So I think you have to really kind of think through all those things and and use those all those constructs to help stay connected to the physicians, and we have our. Uh, physician advisory councils that meet monthly, and that's to hear the voice. And we start out with a roundtable. Uh, those are our champions at each of the entities in the hospital. Mm-hmm. We want to hear the voice. We always want to hear what's going on. We always say, are there any problematic workflows that we need to look at and address? Uh-huh. And, and and I'll tell you, it's a continuous process. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, for you know, we every almost every workflow, uh, especially every complex workflow will will uh, you, you know that you're never going to perfect it you're going to keep working at making it better and better that, Absolutely. that's your goal you know we're going to take a quick break but you've uh, this is a great jumping off point actually for talking about the uh, relationship with the rest of the system how that's changed over time uh, we're going to be right back with Dr. Luis Saldana 
Hey everybody, this is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. All right, we are back on the Data Point podcast. I'm your host, Greg Matthews, and we're talking today, of course, with Chief Medical Information Officer from Texas Health Resources, Dr. Luis Saldana. Uh, as we went into the break, you were talking about your physician advisory councils, and I want to come back to that. Um, but first, I think it's important from a context setting perspective to talk a little bit about how the system has evolved and how the technology has changed with it. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of the changes in uh, primary and ambulatory care and how they're related to sort of the core functioning of what we would consider to be the traditional Texas health resources? Yeah, sure, Greg. I, you know, I think one of the things is, is I think you're seeing this across healthcare in general is that uh, the, the the traditional view of health systems as kind of being hospital centric is changing. And we're really trying to look at uh, uh, how we can better deliver and have touch points with, uh, with, uh, with our consumers at, across, like here in Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, across the Metroplex, so that we offer touch points to every uh, consumer somewhere in, in, within our system. And so we, that we have a system that actually delivers touch points to them. So certainly that's been a big growth area for us is our, our primary care and ambulatory practices. And uh, we've, you know, certainly we, uh, our our employed physician group, uh, THPG, has really grown uh, significantly. We have over 500 uh, uh, practices now, uh, in you know that are that are in par- a part of our THPG group, and that's an area of of increased focus uh, for those touch points, so that we ensure that we are actually delivering more value for the needs of our consumers in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex. And so, as that change has occurred, how has that impacted sort of the core technology platform? Have you been able to fully integrate, you know, the EMR from those ambulatory practices and from those primary care practices into uh, the rest of the system? Yeah, that's a really good question because uh, you know, I think when, when we, when a lot of those practices were purchased, they were we're not on on our uh, our core platform, which is Epic, and so actually, uh, uh, with the purchase of those practices, uh, we have since transitioned all of those practices to Epic, which puts us all on a kind of a, a, a same platform. Uh, that really helps us to kind of uh, uh, get data and deliver data and also deliver clinical care from from one platform, and uh, I think that's been invaluable. I, I think, you know, we all understand the interoperability challenges that are out there. Uh, and this really helps to overcome it and actually get everybody, all clinicians, 
uh, across our system on on kind of one clinical platform, and that really mm-hmm. I think has a lot of uh, value from you know, from pragmatic value to actually just symbolic value that we're all on on one pl- common platform. It gives us uh, the ability to to do do I think much much more than than we would if we you know had retained those and uh, those practices on on their uh, their uh, source uh, uh, EMRs that they had been on before. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the other interesting things that we talked about off mic is that in addition to you know Doctor Velasco as chief health information officer, uh, you know, managing lots of clinical quality, the nursing informatics, et cetera. Um, Texas Health Resources also has a chief experience officer, as I understand it. Can you tell me a little bit about her role and how it integrates with the uh, other information systems that are present in the hospital? Yes, and you know our, our our chief experience officer. I think one of the things we we really recognized is that again, from moving from the traditional kind of hospital company that we have an interaction when a patient comes to our emergency department and gets admitted to the hospital or comes and has surgery or or has some some interaction there, uh, that now we're seeing that go beyond those walls. And I think that is the the chief experience officer is really trying. to Take as broad a view of seeing and understanding the patient experience of, uh, as possible, so that we are actually again tried to kind of narrow the gap between what we have traditionally delivered as a healthcare system to what consumers actually want. That gap, mm-hmm. I think, over time is closing. But we, uh, clearly, I think if you, if you look at United States. States healthcare, we still have a long way to go on what that looks like and how we can ensure that we're actually getting the best outcomes that we can as well. But but the way we interface with the chief experience officer, for the most part, is that uh, we work directly with them and in, 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 in have as many touch points with their office uh, because they're actually doing digital and we're doing digital on the CIO mm-hmm. side, on the, the the kind of traditional digital. So we're we're working together because certainly, like I'll give an example of the the portal uh, available through Epic. That's a that's a big connection point for the the the, the chief experience officer as well. Mm-hmm. So we have to connect the dots in terms of working with them because that's a big part of the patient experience. So we're trying to deliver things like you can make all your appointments via the portal. You can mm. uh, prepay your bills or prepay your, uh, you know, expenses, get, you know, start to get estimates on what your care is going to cost, mm-hmm. what, you know, wh- how that interfaces with your, with your uh, uh, insurance company, all those, t- all those type of things. We're trying to get to the point where we make that experience seamless across time. And I would tell you that that it requires uh, a lot of collaboration you can't do this by being siloed right uh, within our system and you really have to be very well connected because uh, the infrastructure has to support uh, the, the, all this direction. I think we mm-hmm. all know as technologists that you you have to have a, a sound infrastructure that will support, uh, you know, kind of a growing list of users. I think that's the other thing we see is now, you know, when we connect the, the consumer, we're growing the size of our uh, of of our uh, of our uh, uh, infrastructure tremendously yeah. because you're including a, a bigger umbrella there. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I find it really interesting because uh, you mentioned that, you know, just as one example, uh, the Texas Health Resources was the first uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area system to incorporate Apple's health kit, for example. And that's a, a very, it's a radically different way to think about patient data when it's patient provided. But yet, I think the the thing that a lot of other systems have run into is that creating a deluge of data doesn't necessarily help anybody. Uh, and so you were articulating to me that you've put into place some processes that ensure that as uh, as different data types are integrated, as different um, you know initiatives are integrated, it's really done within the context of better managing patient care, right? And that's where I'd love to sort of close this off. Sure. Talking about your physician advisory councils early on, you know, as we come back to that, can you talk a little bit about how the advisory councils are thinking about uh, some of the patient-created data or, uh, you know, some of the benefits or, or lack thereof of the, uh, you know, integrated and aligned uh, systems that they're using? How, how does that all play as you're deciding what kind of changes to make? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and certainly they're they're involved, but actually we also have uh, service lines. So, uh, so so a lot of this work happens under the 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 context of different various service lines. So like, mm-hmm. like we have a heart and vascular service line that's that's led by by physician leaders and and that we work directly with. And and so a lot of what what happens that we have various service lines in the system, women and children's other other service lines. But what we try and do with all of this, and I think that one of the it really kind of leads to the fact that it's really critically important to have governance where all the all those places are connected so that it works together and synergistically mm-hmm. and and I think one of the things they do is is those service lines or those clinicians identify to us what are the what are the use cases what are the needs that, uh, of the system to improve care mm-hmm. uh, you know we may have one example where we m- maybe could have r- a significant room for improvement on delivering care can 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 patient generated data help, help to close that gap mm-hmm. is, is there a way we can use that data uh you know such as weights or 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 heart rates or or step counts uh, mm-hmm. uh those type of things in a post op setting there's a kind of a lot of those things but what we like to do is ensure that it's driven by a clinical use case and yeah. it, rather than being driven by by the 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 front end of what the consumer uh you know what apple says oh the, you you really need this data that type of thing i think you mm-hmm. have to I, I think one of the challenges in the next few years is going to be how we take that kind of data and and actually put it in in a presentation format that becomes more meaningful for for the clinician. And that's going to be uh, that that's going to be like looking at blood sugars over time. If you mm-hmm. have if you have a continuous blood blood glucose monitoring, how do you synthesize all that data in and make some sense out of it? Uh, and if, without a physician having to sit there and go through reams of 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 uh, of uh, individual blood glucose readings and so right. so i think that's kind of uh, an really kind of an important challenge is to really be driven by the the clinical workflows and be very sensitive to that rather than you know having the cart the cart drive the horse on <laughs> for a person and I think that is a, a fantastic way to close. I'm I'm so grateful to you for spending the time with us today, and I know that our listeners will be as well. Um, Dr. Saldana, if people want to connect with you later, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn, Twitter, where are you? 
Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm on all uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's Al Saldana, MD, uh, on Twitter. And then uh, my email address certainly is uh, is my name, Luis, L-U-I-S, Saldana, S-A-L-D-A-N-A, at texashealth.org. So I'm happy to connect with anybody uh, if they have any questions. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Please don't forget to share this with your friends. Uh, Make sure that you're a subscriber. And we will see you next time on Datapoint. Thanks so much for listening to the Datapoint podcast. If you like what you've heard, please do rate, review, and share it with your social network. It means a lot. And if you have ideas for show topics or guests, please email them to me at greg at healthquant.health or send a direct message to at Chai Moose on Twitter. That's C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E on Twitter. For more information about this show or any of the terrific healthcare podcasts in the Touchpoint Media Network, check them out at touchpoint.health. See you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.